0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is my fabulous co-host. Who is it? <laughs> Why, it's Katie Atkinson. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Keith. Hi. I, you know, I've just blanked on your title, who is com senior editor. Oh,
2: yeah. That's important. We need to talk about that. It is important.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> How are you? I'm doing
2: quite well. How about yourself?
1: Oh, I don't know why. I'm just suddenly having a hard time. Uh Um, It's funny. We were actually talking about how everyone here forgets everyone's titles earlier today. True. And we just all forget what our official titles are. Even the people we sit right next to. Yep. Don't know what you do here, but I think you work with something on our website. Words, Uh, maybe? I don't know. Um, Well, uh, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. That much we know. We don't forget about that part. Correct. On Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, we'll be discussing new singles from Katy Perry and Britney Spears, the ongoing drama with Kanye West and Taylor Swift, chart news about Drake, Sia, and Adele, and we have two, count them, two interviews this week with two rising stars in music. Faras and Brayton Bowman. We are both big fans of their latest singles. Uh, Faras is actually on Katy Perry's label. Mm-hmm. And Brayton, uh, you may have heard of him through his Boo M-N-E-K. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both uh, personal favorites of the pop shop. So we're super stoked that we can bring uh, both interviews to you this week. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson, and that is the letters K, T, and then Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit itunes.com slash podcasts. Woo! Well. <laughs> so, um, topic du jour. We are recording this on a Monday, as we normally do, and on uh, Sunday, Sunday night around uh, 9 o'clock, as the clock uh, turned uh, midnight, or 12 a.m. Uh, all thi- hell broke loose. Yes. All heck broke loose. mm <laughs> hmm Thanks to uh, Kim Kardashian and her Snapchat account. Yes,
2: um, <laughs> she got a lot of followers out of this whole situation. Uh, At least there's that. She's probably one of the most followed people in general. Already, yeah. So what? What? What the heck happened, Katie? <laughs> well, um, Kim went on Twitter last night, Sunday night, and uh, told everyone, "Hey, you might want to follow me on Snapchat." Hmm. And she was not lying. Yeah. Because a lot of people listened to what she said, started following her. And uh, she began snapping a surreptitiously videotaped conversation between her husband Kanye West and Taylor Swift. And the topic of the conversation was a very heavily debated one over the past few months, ever since Kanye came out with the song Famous from The Life of Pablo. And it has that famous line about uh, him and Taylor maybe still having sex. And uh, that he made that bitch famous. And he claimed at the time he had totally been above board and had checked with Taylor, and that she had thought it was hilarious, uh, totally was on board with it. And uh, Taylor's version of events was that Kanye never checked in with her for approval. Uh, And so Kim had had enough of that narrative that Kanye had gone out and, you know, put this song out without actually checking with Taylor. And decided to put this phone call that, you know, really did happen, as we now know, mm-hmm. on Snapchat. Now, was the entire phone call Snapchatted? Well, it was bits and pieces, you know, how Snapchat works. Like, it, you know, comes in small bursts of video. There's time limits. so you she, Yeah, you only have so much time. So she snapped chunks of it at a time. So it's hard to say, you know, exactly how linear the phone call was when she probably snapped eight seconds and then you know, got to another point in the call that was, re- like, relevant to the situation. Snapped that eight seconds. So it was, like, these bursts of moments from the phone call. We didn't see the whole thing, obviously. Um, the, the,
1: I, I watched uh, sort of a highlights montage, mm-hmm. which I think collected all of the snaps.
2: Yes, I mean, and that's another thing. I didn't watch the snaps live, so I can't say if anything was left out, but that is uh, multiple people online did, made montages of... Reportedly, all of the snaps that she did. So hmm. if you've seen one of those, you've you've seen what Kim put on Snapchat. You might not have seen the whole conversation, but you saw all of what Kim put into the world.
1: Now, I think the, the key thing here was that Taylor was specifically taking issue with the line, I made that bitch famous. Well,
2: right. So after Kim put this up on Snapchat, Taylor took to Instagram and Twitter to respond um, she <laughs> captioned her response with, you know, that moment when Kim Kardashian posts your phone call with Kanye on online. Wait, that,
1: that moment when Kanye West secretly records secretly records you and then Kim, Kim posts it, posted right? It.
2: So, um, in her response, she said, "Anywhere in there, did you see me say, Yeah, sure, call me a bitch' in your song? Because you didn't, and I'd love to see that video." But yeah, that, that was not. She in the zeroed in on that that piece of it um the lyric that kanye specifically told her about was that they might still have sex which in the snapchat video of the conversation taylor's like well i guess that's kind of a compliment is what her response to it then was well the lyric something is like i feel we have a chance to
1: sleep together no
2: it's it's i think me and taylor might still have sex that is the lyric and
1: she and she she kind of said jokingly like well I think that's sort of like a compliment right like she thought he was kind of funny and
2: she also said that I'm,
1: that isolated alone actually is kind of funny like we still may have a chance to ex- have sex together exactly
2: <laughs> I think that that might have been like eyebrow raising and kind of funny but the thing that Taylor has really focused in on in her many responses after the song came out has been the idea of Kanye taking credit for her fame or right. her success because that next line is I made that bitch famous so it's like a combination of the misogynistic slur of calling her a bitch and then also taking credit like as if no one knew who Taylor Swift was in 2009 when she was accepting that award she might not have been at the level she is now but you know for for Kanye to say I made that bitch famous is kind of laughable. You know, yeah. she was accepting a major award when he interrupted she, her, after we're, all. <laughs> we're, spe-
1: we're speaking of when she won Best Female Video at the MTV Video Music Awards, and Kanye, of course, burst it onto the stage, said that Beyonce should have won it instead.
2: And she referenced yeah. that moment in her response to Kim's Snapchat as well, because she said um that she has never chosen to be part of this whole storyline since 2009.
1: Yeah, she doesn't want to have any—she doesn't—she never asked to be part of the nar- this narrative since 2009.
2: And so, like, you know, there— before uh, the song came out, you know, they they were putting on a good public face. Uh, Taylor presented Kanye with, with the video vanguard uh-huh, in August at the VMAs, and, yeah. and so there was like this public, like, "Oh, we're we're cool here," you know. Sense not that they're best friends, but that. It, it's we're over the two thousand nine thing.
1: There was an understanding, like she understood that he was an artist that was a very unique artist. Mm-hmm. He understood that you know they they have their differences, but they've moved. They have got into a good place.
2: So I think it's interesting because like one of the things that's interesting about this, there's a lot interesting about yeah. it. But one of them is that you know it's not like they, there've been shots fired back and forth with these two. It's like Kanye interrupted her. She did a song about it. Then they sort of publicly forgave each other on both of those fronts. What song did she do about Oh, her song Innocent from oh. her next album was about it, and she performed it at the 2010 VMAs, um, and it's very clearly about Kanye and that incident. As
1: many of Taylor's songs tend to be. They're yes. about specific people or events in her life. Which high.
2: Kanye then did, you know, kind, the same sort of thing. Sort of the thing, yeah. And actually, I think that might be why in the conversation we heard on Snapchat... Uh, She said, "Thank you for calling me. You didn't have to do that because did Taylor make all those phone calls? Yeah. You know, did she call John Mayer when she put out? Did she call up Harry
1: Styles when she told you know wrote out of the woods?
2: Now, other than other than the Dear John example, has she used anyone's literal name in her songs? I don't know. Uh, Not really. And when the I mean, there's no question in the Kanye. You know, example that he's talking specifically to Taylor because he says her name.
1: You know, there seems to be sort of a a, a robust amount of misunderstanding. Mm. Uh, Fuse and uh,
2: continued misunderstanding. Continued
1: misunderstanding. Fuse had a story uh, where they kind of recapped the the, the, the the sort of abbreviated the drama, and they suggested you no. Know, it just seems like there's just a large misunderstanding on both parties' parts. Kanye perhaps misunderstood that taylor signed off taylor misunderstood that kanye was asking for something else it doesn't seem like either party is was ever on the
2: same page yeah
1: ever um and or maybe but we we also didn't get the entire phone call we have no idea what the rest of the phone call was about
2: and i have to say that i really think the most egregious thing in this whole um you know story is that they secretly recorded her phone call and put it up online. Are I you allowed to do that? I just think that's gross. No, and they're right now, like, all these stories about whether it's legal, including one on billboard.com and thr.com. Um, and the biggest, you know, issue with that is where where the phone call was recorded because there's different laws in different states. Um, it's reportedly from a Los Angeles recording studio, and if it's in the state of California, both parties have to be aware of that the call is being recorded, and so it's 100% illegal if it was recorded in California. Even
1: if they're famous people?
2: I mean, I guess that's where the lawyers come in and can argue, like, does Taylor ever have an expectation of privacy when she's on the phone with somebody? Or does, should she just always know that somebody probably will think it's notable to you know document anything she says or does? And it's funny. I don't think she said anything that she wishes no one had heard in that call. It's not like, gotcha, we caught you saying something wildly inappropriate. It's like, it's like this weird, like, um, you know Kim and Kanye have their version of events and they're they're putting her phone call out there to like prove that our version of events is correct when she was under the impression she was having a casual chat right. you know what I mean and didn't think that it would be held up in a court like that she couldn't later decide actually I'm not really comfortable with that lyric that you just put me on the spot with but like I'm going to be kind right now to you on the phone and, and be like I guess that's cool but like she has the right to like have a different reaction the next day when she really gets to think about it. And, and she also, you she's, know?
1: she says that she never heard the actual song before it came and out. She, yeah, she and never heard no the proof lyric. of that. We have yeah. no idea if that's true or not. All we know is what
2: we've seen last night. Um, it's just, you know, I wish,
1: I wish two things, and I've said this to Katie before. I wish, and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. I wish, one, uh, Oprah could have, like, a sit-down with uh, Taylor, Kanye, Kim. Here for it. Just Calvin, Katie, let's well, not complicate things, Keith. Look, it's compl- it, it I think I think the, we could leave it to just this one. The 10-second <laughs> version, the 10-second version is that what makes this situation more convoluted is the 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 personas that we know of Taylor and Kanye individually mm-hmm. that complicate this and make it more murky because we know Kanye is a loose cannon that doesn't do anything traditionally. Mm-hmm. So, it's hard to take everything anything he does at face value because everything he does is so unconventional from the release of an album to a music video to anything to saying George Bush doesn't care about black people sure same thing with Taylor Swift you know
2: she uh, it's the exact opposite thing it's it's, it's very a controlled persona it's
1: very controlled you, you know she's very careful about what she says and how she says it but then she also gets criticism from Calvin Harris, her ex-boyfriend, who says you should tear down other people, like Katie. Katy Perry was suddenly dragged into something, and Bad Blood is allegedly about Katy Perry, perhaps. So, you know, and then she jumped in the whole Nicki Minaj VMA thing. So there's—sometimes—and I then, then, dovetailing to my second point, I kind of wish that we were still at a point where you just didn't know so much about people and their— Sort of personal dramas because it, it makes it makes it more difficult to enjoy the music sometimes.
2: You'd like to de twitterfy the world, uh, de social where, where you really like the the line between fans and famous people is is non-existent now.
1: Well, this is a developing story, and uh, by the time you hear this, maybe things will have changed. Yeah, and the entire phone conversation. Maybe they will be ga- out. they
2: made up and they'll have made
1: up. There's gonna be an Instagram of them hugging. There'll like... be a, a surprise, <laughs> a surprise mixtape from Taylor right. and Kanye. Oh man! They'll
2: perform on the VMAs together. There's the answer to the question a few weeks back: of Can any album like be yeah. the bestseller that hasn't come out yet? That's the one. There you go.
1: <laughs> um, well, speaking of Katy, a little bit, um, let's talk about the new singles from Britney Spears and Katy Perry. Uh, Britney Spears And what a
2: new music week last week (laughs) Yeah
1: Kind of insane Last Friday on July 15th Britney Spears dropped Make Me Katy Perry released Rise We were expecting Britney's song But Katy's was a uh, kind of uh, dropped out of the sky moment Uh, Let's talk about Make Me first Uh, It was produced by Burns, who also co-wrote the song with uh, Britney, Joe Janiak, and g Easy. And by the way, Janiak, who I may be pronouncing your name wrong, Joe, I apologize. Sorry, Joe. Um, He's also written for Ellie Goulding, Adam Lambert, and Take That, among others. Um, What do you think of the song, Katie?
2: It's, you know, I feel like I was expecting when I heard new Britney single coming out something a little more upbeat. This is very mid-tempo. Yeah. Very very sultry. Very
1: sultry, slinky.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, the chorus is make me ooh. Ooh.
1: (laughs) And you fill in the blank. Yeah, fill in the blank. You you, you can, uh, whatever that ooh might be. I
2: kind of think the, you know, the little like winky suggestiveness totally fits in the Britney canon quite yeah. well but um but I think it's kind of a new look for her in the in just like the tempo and the vibe
1: yeah after after this sort of aggressiveness of uh, the first single from her last album which was Work Bitch and then she had uh, Pretty Girls mm-hmm. um and Perfume which was a ballad right so, like
2: it's like we we're getting right in the center here now
1: yeah this I think I think this will actually probably work well at radio it's a little early to tell but I think it fits in a little bit better with radio, and I think she really needs a, a, a radio hit.
2: Well, I mean, and look at g radio songs right now. I mean, they're all mid-tempo, kind of, you know, introspective rap mid-tempo songs. Good point, so, good point. And so he's had major success with Me, Myself, and I, and then on the Grace song, um, yeah. You Don't Own Me. So, like, I, I think that he could—I mean, if he worked magic with those two songs— why wouldn't it work with Britney Spears, you know? like, Do you, do you feel
1: like his, his rap verse is really, like, an essential part of the song? Because I'm not sure that it actually I
2: is. just think that he's on fire right now. He's, like, oh, it he's super might hot. not yeah. be the best verse he's ever had in, in his life, but people really dig him. So, yeah. you know. There's something about G-Eazy right now.
1: Um, well, in terms of its chart forecasts, uh, for the weekend in July 21st, uh, Forecasters, Industry Sources... Suggests that the song maybe could sell eighty five to 100,000 uh, downloads in its first week. Um, that will certainly be enough to get it onto the Hot 100 next week. But where on the chart? Hmm, not sure yet. We'll have to see how the rest of the week pans out. Um, we're also still waiting on uh, the song's presumably flesh-filled music video.
2: Oh, there was a great choreography video that she tweeted out. And we we, we don't yeah. know if it's for a performance or for a video or what, but super like... Booty popping choreography, like, you oh, know. Oh, it was the one with her and the, the woman dancing. The choreographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, looked, that looked pretty good. It looks awesome, and she looks great, and her dancing looks like peak Britney. Like, I'm super pumped about that.
1: I'm excited, too. I'm also excited for all the half-naked male dancers in the video. <laughs> you know, we all, I mean, I'm excited for both things. Don't
2: make any assumptions, Keith. <laughs>
1: True. I, I, I shouldn't. She, they, they all could have just been, like, they're not actually in the video. She just, you know, needed a harem for the day. Um, let's move on to Katie's Rise. Um, The track was produced by Max Martin, who Katie has worked with before, Um, and it was written by Katie, Max Martin, um, Savan Kotecha, or Kotecha, um, I I think I got it right, and uh, Ali Payami, uh, shockingly, believe it or not, this is the first time that Savan has written a song for Katie, even though he's written for a zillion other people, and he co-wrote The Weeknd's Can't Feel My Face, Maroon 5's One More
2: Night, and the know was cool for the so summer. So he clearly works with Max Martin a lot. Yes. Yeah,
1: he's part of that Max Martin camp, okay. but that, that's why it's weird that somehow he never got in there with Katie. Hmm. So either I did terrible research and I'm wrong, <laughs> or it's the first time. Um, but it's like a super
2: inspirational track,
1: right Katie, and obviously it's inspirational for a reason.
2: Yeah, it is the Olympics anthem like, for the NBC Olympics coverage. Yeah. Um and uh, the video came out the same day and it's all, you know, Olympic athletes in various states of uh, distress and or triumph. Right. And I was going to say I'm like sometimes they're doing well, sometimes not sometimes so much. they're falling uh but then they rise as they the rise. song's uh, get up. lyrics encourage. Um yeah, definitely uh it, they they Wanted to go for that inspirational vibe, obviously, for the Olympics. Right. Um, well, I, th- I think it has. It, it's interesting.
1: I think it has the possibility of becoming a hit, but also we have to keep in mind that it seems like it's sort of a standalone single. That yeah, is, like
2: we shouldn't even kind of look at this as like, oh, how's Katie's next song yeah. going to do? It's like not a Katie song. It's an Olympic it's song. It's an Olympic song.
1: It's, it's a song that she made for the Olympics and it will sort of exist as. Now, who knows? If the song takes off like a rocket...
2: Oh, like Philip Phillips' Home, home did. When was that four years ago? Yeah, four yeah. years
1: ago when it was part, it was used as the theme the gymnastics to the, the American gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Or just maybe the NBC's gymnastics coverage. I it know. became a hit.
2: I, I remember when that song, I mean, the song was just on all the time. Because I was watching the gymnastics all the time. And I kept being like, who is this? Who is this? And then finding out, oh, the American Idol guy? Like, yeah. who knew? Yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe Katie will... Uh, perform on the Olympics. Can I just say there's there's some interesting tempo choices in that song? Like it's very like the the um the rhythm of of the way she delivers the lyrics is it's very I, just interesting. And I feel like the first time I listened to it, it like threw me off. And then listening to it again, I feel like you know, it's like this this purposeful choice to have it kind of have this odd like syncopation. I don't know.
1: I think I think I think you're right. I think that it was purposely made to have sort of an odd sound or syncopation mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it to it. And in a way, Make Me kind of has that thing too where it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different. And I think because that might stick into your ear a little bit more, like it might become more of an earworm that yeah. way. I mean, also, maybe they're she's also considering how this song plays on TV or how if you hear just an element of it, going into a TV commercial yeah, or maybe if you only hear a snippet of it and
2: you know maybe it was probably designed I hear what you're saying like if you take a snippet of it you still get a lot of like interest level from that one little snippet because it's all very odd and maybe, maybe jarring all together but as snippets make sense yeah um,
1: we'll we see. We gave you a sales forecast for Brittany we'll do the same thing for Katie uh, forecaster suggests that it could sell over 125,000 downloads. Uh, that should be enough to get it onto the Hot 100 once we see airplay and uh, streams factor in. And uh, if it does debut, it'll be Katie's 24th charting single on the uh, Hot 100. Um, all this dovetails into some chart chat. Chart chat, chart chat. Um, tens across the board. Uh, Drake's back at number one on the Billboard 200 with his Views album for a 10th non-consecutive week while the album's one dance collects its 10th non-consecutive week at number one on the billboard hot 100 chart it is only the fourth album to spend 10 weeks at number one and also have one of its singles spin 10 weeks at number one on the hot 100 chart
2: Ooh, so who are the other three the
1: other three are adele's 25 which had 10 weeks at number one on the billboard 200 and its song hello spent 10 weeks at number one on the Hot 100. Did I say Hot 100 twice?
2: Instead of Billboard? Yeah, I meant Billboard 200 for
1: 25. Yeah, Eh, people know that. (laughs) Um, And then Santana did it with Supernatural. Uh, That album spent 12 weeks at number one. And it's two singles that spent 10 weeks at number one on the Hot 100 were Smooth, which had 12 weeks at number one. And Maria and Maria, Maria. no, just Maria, Maria, uh, spent 10 weeks at number one. And finally, Whitney Houston, with the Bodyguard soundtrack, mm-hmm. 20 weeks at number one, uh, just 20. Mm. And uh, the song I Will Always Love You spent 10 weeks at number one on the Hot 100. Um, so yeah, a kind of exciting week uh, for Drake. Uh, I'll just rattle off some quick numbers here for you. Views earned 92,000 equivalent album units in the week ending July 14th, according to Nielsen Music. Uh, that was down 22%, but since there was so little competition this week it was very easy for it to jump back to number one uh the chart's highest debut was actually schoolboy q's blank face lp it debuted at number two uh with seventy four thousand units and it looks like drake will probably hold at number one for an 11th week wow perhaps even a 12th <laughs> Man. at the rate we're going here um back Way on to the... sneak in there blink 182 yeah good good good, good. it's a good look <laughs> good luck for Blink. Um, elsewhere, over on the Hot 100, since we we're talking about the Hot 100 a moment ago, uh, Sia now has her highest charting single ever, as Cheap Thrills featuring Sean Paul rises 5-2-3, and, you know, it actually has a pretty good shot at hitting number one in the next week or two. I, um, I was looking at how Drake's One Dance and Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling, which are at numbers one and two. I was looking at how they're eroding in total points. and based How she's gaining. Yeah, and how she's gaining, like, a rocket. So based on their erosion and her gains, if they both maintain at the same rate, she could be number one next week even.
2: I would be, like, really happy for Sia to have that be number awesome? one. would be awesome? Yeah, because I just think that, A, is a badass song, but B, like, she's just earned it, you know?
1: Absolutely. And such an unconventional way of, of getting to where she's got oh yeah
2: her path yeah yeah her career path is is um yeah yeah it's very sia you should google sia and find out more information about her (laughs) she's
1: popular um plus also in the top 10 adele gets her second top 10 single from the 25 album as send my love to your new lover rises 12 to 10 uh, previously, the album's second single, When We Were Young, peaked at number 14, while the album's lead single, Hello, of course, ruled the chart, as we just noted a few minutes ago, uh, spent, you know, uh, five million weeks at number one. How <laughs> uh, do we say? No, 10 weeks at number one. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, Max Martin co-produced and co-wrote Send My Love, and it's his 64th top 10 as a writer and his 56th as a producer.
2: Jesus.
1: And I saw his old studio back when I was in Stockholm. Yes, you did. Yeah. He didn't do Send My Love there. Wouldn't that be funny if he was actually still there and we've all been faked out the entire time? (laughs) Well, I think it's time now for our first guest interview, Katie. Let's go for it. Um, We talked to, uh, well, actually earlier, we were talking about Katy Perry's new single, Rise. And coincidentally, our first guest interview this week is with one of Katy's artists on her record label, and his name is Farras. The singer and songwriter just dropped his new single, Closer, and it's super, super great. He's previously written songs for everyone from Adam Lambert and Ricky Martin to Luis Fonsi and a number of other folks, and he's even worked with Katy Perry on his self-titled EP, which came out back in 2014. His new single was praised by not only Perry on Twitter, but also Sia, Kesha, Idina Menzel, and Tegan and Sarah. Oh Not
2: just just them.
1: Just them. Not so bad. <laughs> um so here is our interview with Frost.
3: I just want to you
1: Welcome, Frost, to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast.
4: Thank you. How are you? I'm amazing. You're amazing? Yeah. Why? I don't know, because (laughs) I haven't had any um, caffeine yet today, so this is going to be pretty interesting. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, Thank you for coming by
4: The Office.
1: Thank you for having me. You just released your new single, Closer, which I have to say is so good. Like, the sounds on it are so cool, and I I was listening to it, and I... I, there are sounds on it where I'm like, "How did he make these sounds?" Like, there's these kind of like the. Bú, 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 I'm like, is <laughs> right. that a synth? Is that is that a piano? I have no idea. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now. Yes, but I just please. want to hear about just the making of the song. Did you? Did, was the intention to make a song for yourself or was this initially for perhaps another artist? Because you've written for a lot of people too. Like, yeah. can you just talk about the genesis of the song?
4: Yeah, um, you know, when I write songs for my project, I don't necessarily like set out with an intention that day. I sort of just get in a room with hopefully a producer that I'm comfortable with. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it could be sort of downhill. Um, Hello, person I've never met before. It's so lovely to work with you on an intimate project. It's a bit like speed dating. You sort of go in and you're like, all right, what am I going to do today? Who are you? Are we going to make love? You know, is this going to be awkward? Um, But um, fortunately, I was working with this producer, Stuart Crichton, who um, is really amazing. And I have sort of a great chemistry with him. Um, And this girl, Megan Catone from the UK who's a really great writer. She's written for Britney Spears and um, Little Mix and a bunch of sort of really cool people. Poppy, pop, pop, Way more famous than me. (laughs) Um, And uh, we sort of uh, have written a bunch of songs together, but we came in that day and Stuart just started messing with this thing that you were referring to earlier Uh, as...
3: That's the technical term. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh
4: The alien ship landing. (laughs) Um, And we just we started singing melodies and it just I don't know it 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 always amazes me that you can kind of create something so cool in one day you know and sometimes it doesn't it takes longer than a day but I find like the songs that really stick just kind of happen and they're sort of like a channeled almost um you know the universe is saying here I'm going to give you this today it's very cosmic and yeah well i'm very cosmic
2: (laughs) (laughs) the song's kind of cosmic actually
1: it's it has it has a very sort of kind of soundscapey kind of like open sort of vibe to it where you feel like it's like almost like Scoring a movie or something like it has this kind of like wide expansiveness to it. Yeah, um, I I could be just crazy, but it just it it sounds like it's no, like yeah. you want it. You want to see like it and you you hear it in a movie or something like it has that kind of effect. Cool. Yeah, well, that, that would be great. Let's yeah. put it in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Let's get, yeah, let's get a sync going, <laughs> hey. people. There's a manager in the room. We can make that happen. Um, and you know when when you release the song, it got a bunch of um like tweets from a lot yeah. of really kind of well known people. Mm. Um you so you're know.
2: not crazy because a lot of other people also yes. love it. <laughs> yes. Um you, you, you
1: have a lot of uh, folks that uh enjoy the song, such as Tegan and Sarah, yep. Kesha, yep. Sia, Idina Menzel, um your label boss and
4: friend Katy Perry. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um not too shabby.
4: No. That's pretty cool. I um I was really like overwhelmed with the sort of support and um it's always a really scary thing when you like have a baby publicly (laughs) you know you're like do you think my kid is cute (laughs) you know um and um (laughs) yeah please can you please tweet my photo of the baby (laughs) you kind of like expect the worst or something i don't know um so it was really cool to see um that people were like responding to it and resonating with it and supporting it so
1: and you know your ep your self-titled ep came out in 2014 is Closer, perhaps, the first hint of music from a new EP or new album or project from you down the road?
4: Yeah, I've just been sort of, like, working day and night on whatever uh, it's going to be called, um, whether that's an EP or an album or what form it's going to live in. I sort of, like, hate all of the, the words that it could be because <laughs> I, I'm, like, old school. I'm like, it's a body of work. It's, it's a project. project. It's a project. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know what form it's going to be, but I'm always trying to, like, slam the maximum amount of songs into one thing. So if, like, my label's like, well, we're going to do an EP and it's going to be five songs, I'm going to, like, fight for it to be eight or ten and call it an EP (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. I just want the opportunity to be able to kind of get as much of this music that I've been working on out there because you know should live otherwise it's just
2: no restrictions on the internet yeah. just like do yeah. put out 25 songs exactly. on it you know
4: um, although people kind of have short attention spans That's right yeah. now, so it's you can't like also because
2: them. of the internet yeah totally <laughs> so it's all related it's,
1: it's weird we're in that we're in that space where it's like it's like short attention spans but at the same time you still have to deal with kind of like the old school mentality of there may be a core group of people that have short attention spans or your your sort of rabid fan base that is like, yeah, I love this song. I've moved on three weeks later. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but most of America still doesn't know the song because yeah. yeah. it hasn't gone on the radio and I'm still not on, on iTunes. And it's like, you have to like, you have to do, you have to like wear so many hats now yeah. as an mm-hmm. artist and to think of like, okay, yes, the song has been embraced and my fans love it, but this is like the long haul. You have to like, we're going to be here for the next six, eight months working on music. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, we're at a very interesting time mm-hmm. right now. I was going nowhere with that. I was just <laughs> rambling. No, um, it's,
4: it's true. There's like something to be said for um, taking your time and really sort of like curating the songs and yeah. making sure that it's all within the same kind of story. And I don't know.
1: Um, Troy Savant, who is, I guess, technically one of your label mates because yeah. he's on Capital. he's, when we talk about project, um, he's very much like that. He's, he doesn't like calling things albums, or he's just like, "There's music coming." I so
2: just a way to put out music, a vessel for music. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's a container yeah. for some music. <laughs> container. And there's a it's a
1: body of work. <laughs> yeah, but, well, we call we call music videos now visuals. That's true. That's yeah. true. So you know, anyway, um, <laughs> how it. do you determine when you're writing songs? Because you've written for, uh, I mean, you've written for Ricky Martin. You've written for Luis Fonsi. You had a moment there in the the Latin limelight. Um, you've written for the Veronica's, you've written for Adam Lambert. Um, you've worked with Katy Perry on your last EP. Mm. Um, how is it, how do you figure out when you're writing music, you know, what is a song that you're going to keep for yourself and you know, what is a song that you're going to give away to someone? Is there like a very clear line when you're working on a
4: song? Like I'm this one, I cannot give away. Well, I think like, I think my thing that I do sort of when I go in with an artist is I really sort of am able to take off my own artist hat Mm -hmm. and sort of be able to get into their world. Because, I mean, that's the thing. Sort of I I feel like I feel like when I'm writing for myself, it's such a difficult process because I'm so much more... um, I'm, like, harder on myself. Yeah, with perfectionist. Things, you know, and then I'm the ultimate judge of it. Whereas if you're writing for another artist, you can actually see if they're liking what you're saying or whatever. You know, you sort of have a mirror, like a gauge or, you know.
1: Um, you know, is, is your intention now going forward to continue to write? For other artists as well, in, as in addition to writing your own material, is that do you want to just sort of keep going down this dual? Do I want to yeah. be the male Sia? Yes.
4: <laughs> Don't yeah, we that all. is the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, oh my God, actually, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, like, that'd be so cool. I was actually working with um, this is like a little hint of drama. Please bring on the like drama. A, I can't say who it is, but I was she working can't. with. Yeah, no one's um, here. No one's listening. <laughs> I know. We're else. not recording anything. <laughs> I was working with this artist producer person and um uh he said to me after a really hideous session the whole day like he wouldn't listen to any of my ideas just Mm. like hated everything that i was doing and i was like okay i don't know how to like meet you today like i don't it just was one of those things that just wasn't right the right fit right and um and then he was like started singing and he got like really excited about his singing and whatever and and he turns around and he said you Know, I think I should just be the male Sia, and so ever since then, I'm like, I'm saying that now. that's the reference like, point. I think that's yeah, that's what point. I took away from that session. Like, <laughs> you did, you're gonna so have you got to, something I'm out gonna, of it. it. You're <laughs> gonna have to fight me for that position because <laughs> that's what I really want.
2: No, <laughs> that's um, incredible.
4: I know. Um, yeah, I definitely would love to. I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, if I'm not in the studio <clears> writing for myself day to day, I'm working with an artist or trying to get the new. Selena Gomez cut or, mm-hmm. you know, Demi Lovato, or whatever it is, you know. Those I, two seem to be the ones that everybody's trying to the go-to. For, so.
1: I never realized Max Martin was such a diva in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's <that's laughs> clearly kidding. who he's yeah, talking clear, about. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Well, I mean, you're. I think you're, are you friends with Justin Tranter? I am, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, you put in a call. He's yeah, you got that, Selena. Sl- yeah, well,
4: he's kind of got that on lock. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, well we, you can find <laughs> I'm going to find my own find Yeah, her, there you find your own diva. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I have to ask. Uh, you you happen to be on Katy Perry's label? Yeah, which is now called Unsub. Mm-hmm. Which I did not know this until the other day that the name of her label changed from Metamorphosis. It metamorphos. It, it metamorphosed, had, it metamorphosed <laughs> To unsub. Um, how did you meet? And I know you've answered this question a million times, but most people may not know this. How did you actually meet Katy Perry and get to become you know, you know, sort of have a working relationship with her, and also become friends, because you're
4: good pals with her. Um, yeah, uh, we both got signed to the same record label in, like, 2007 or 2008, maybe? Maybe like 2006. Were you uh, signed properly to Capitol at the time, or was it, like— It was Virgin. Virgin through EMI. And then, so. Yeah, and then um, we both got transferred over to Capitol. And, um, but anyway, we were in New York, and we had the same A&R guy. And he was like, you need to meet this girl, Katy Perry. And I was like, why? And he was like, she's really cool. I think you guys have hit it off. I'm like, no. I don't want to meet any other artist on this label. And did you like, actually say that? I probably did, actually. Yeah. No, I really did. Um, You've matured a little bit. I have, yeah. No, I was like a brat. Um, but she ended up coming over to my house one day to write. And um, I don't know. I think she stayed the night. And we just had like such a great time writing just kiki it up kiki'd, full kiki full kiki and then kiki. yeah we became friends and um over the years you know she's i don't know i kind of felt her sort of um like a mad scientist trying to figure out like how she was going to be able to work me into what she does in some way and so um yeah she's really awesome she's a dear friend of mine and um Obviously, very talented and a great supporter, and um it's awesome to have somebody like that on my side, yeah, yeah, it's yeah.
1: nice when your label boss is also like you know a cool chick and a good friend, yeah, at the same but also that could probably make things a little bit difficult at times when you you know your your actual label head is a friend of yours like. I don't, I don't agree with this business decision, Miss Perry. It's like, well, tough, I'm the boss.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, she's, she's very much, I'm the boss. But, um, (laughs) but no, she really listens to, you know, what I want to do. And she lets me kind of make my own decisions and write my songs. You know, after all, it's my thing. Yeah. 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 It also helps the music is very
1: good as well. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you. Um, what's coming up next for you uh, in the next few weeks, months? Is there like hopes of like live shows, tour dates, any, any of that stuff that we can
4: talk about? Yeah. Um, I don't really have solid things that I can give you because it's all sort of in (laughs) the works. It's all very hush hush right now. Yeah. It's very hush hush. Um, but yeah, I'm working on like just finishing up songs in the studio a lot, doing, you know, some press things, meeting wonderful people like you guys oh uh, just fine. <laughs> and uh yeah just trying to get the word out um and uh i kind of don't really like to play shows until i have sort of the full thing mm-hmm. because i kind of like to tell a story and i don't know the days of just saying hey listen to a couple songs or i don't know It it depends on where it is and, like, what it is.
1: For you, you prefer
4: it that way, and that's cool, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to know that, like, I have this long of a set, and I want to be able to go from beginning to end and, you know, not just give a taste. Right. Right.
1: Well, there is a taste of uh, Frost's music out right now, Closer. Yep. Definitely. that's your taste right now there you go that's that's the taste it's just it's just an appetizer yeah. <laughs> there's like a full on like 12 course meal coming perhaps later 5 Wait.
2: course 8 course Wait for it. 20 we course don't know. we don't know <laughs> don't call it an album
1: it's just a project we deserve it it's some sort of a la carte option <laughs> I don't know I, anyway good um, dessert good oh, dessert too
2: yeah. looking forward to yeah. that dessert
1: um, thank you so much for coming in thank you for having me yeah it's great and, to meet you and good luck in the future
4: thank you
0: alright they don't make
1: Thank you again, Frost, for coming back, uh, coming back, coming to the office for the first time. But you're welcome to come back.
2: Yeah, come back anytime. Come back
1: anytime. Um, And uh, do you think we should just dive into our second interview? Let's go for it. Do do, do we need like a moment, a breather?
2: I mean, I'm just wondering who this next person's going to (laughs) be. (laughs)
1: I think we know who they are. Oh, yeah, I do know. Um, Our second interview this week is with Brayton Bowman, who just dropped his new single, What's Really Good, and it's already popping on streaming services. You might be familiar with him and his stellar voice through his Boo, M-N-E-K, who he amusingly refers to as a, quote, executive producer of his life. Uh, We caught up with Brayton a few weeks ago when he played the Los Angeles Pride Festival, And our super fun chat covers things like him working with Cara Diaguardi, his fondness of interludes on albums, and how we got advice from Jojo on how to define his genre of music and how he's pretty effing excited about his new single. So check out our interview with uh, Brayton Bowman.
3: I don't care what designer you are and what your bank account looks like. You could throw a million dollars down the wishing well, but it doesn't matter no, if you don't know yourself. Tell me what's really good. I don't
1: care. Welcome Brayton Bowman to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. Um, you know, I I was telling Katie I said I stumbled onto your music in I guess a normal way. Um, I was I follow MNEK on Twitter. Okay, great. and you see where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and um, I he linked to something on his SoundCloud, and it was one of his songs. I was like, oh, that's cool. And so I stuck around the SoundCloud, and it, it just kept autoplaying stuff. And then suddenly there was someone who wasn't him anymore. I'm like, what am I listening to? And I'm like, because it was like a window that was buried. Reaching out in the dark. And I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, who's Brayton <laughs> Bowman? Happening. And it was suddenly
3: playing a set oh, of songs. So your SoundCloud music. led me it to went you. Straight, Yeah, yeah, this is, That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like. They hook it up sometimes with like the silent recommendations. And all of a sudden you wake up and someone else is playing and you're like, yeah. I don't hate this. How this did they so get here? here. How is is how did, right. They knew I'd like yeah. this.
1: And so I, I listened to all the, the songs that you had posted to your SoundCloud, which, by the way, has 1.6 million plays. Thank you. Amazing. Nuts. That's really fun for me. That's cool. And for folks that are unfamiliar with your music, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny on your website. You had a frequently asked questions section where it says, you know, who do I sound like? You're like, "You're like, well, I make pop music. You know, to you, if you want me to describe it, it's like
3: 90s... We were literally just talking about this in the car. It's <laughs> 90s R&B-influenced electronic pop music. I was joking with Katie, and I was like,
1: I was like, he's not really a genre. Like... It's not, it's, because I hear...
3: Are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah, sure. A friend of mine, Jojo, singer Jojo. Yeah, Jojo. We've had her on the podcast. Good. good (laughs) She's amazing. Like, two years ago, I was talking to her about, like, wow, I'm finally getting in, like, music biz. People are asking me about the sound, yada, yada, yada. And I gave her my spiel, my, like, 90s Mm -hmm. R&B. And she was just, we were on the phone, and she just says to me, you can also just tell them that it's the fuck you genre if you really need to. (laughs) Like, that is the brand, because there's no... (laughs) If you're looking to like put me in a box somewhere, it's probably not going to work, and like you've just wasted your time. Yep. So yeah, very accurate. I don't really fit into a genre.
1: Where did you Where did you sort of get your start? Are you Are you from some? Yeah, I think you're from Philadelphia, New York. <laughs> Am I like... from somewhere? Yeah. Just <laughs> child now, of the universe. Yes, you were, you were born in on
3: Venus. I'm from. Uh, I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania Hospital. I grew up in a small, obnoxious little white town, like 15 minutes outside of Philly. Um, I went to high school in Philly. I went to college in Boston for like a very brief moment in time. Lived in New York. Then I started to go to London all the time. And now I'm here. I'm a traveling gypsy. How
1: how did you just get to go to London all the time?
3: Um, Did you have a job that gave you this London opportunity? I literally spent every penny to my name just buying plane tickets to get there like an idiot. The first time I went to London... I spent uh like, you, did you two go to school college? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, loan checks. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Loans. Okay. Yeah. So like my like, yeah, my <laughs> loan checks for me were go to London and go absolutely ape shit <laughs> crazy. Incredible. So a best friend of mine from high school went to uni in London. So that was the first time I ever went to London just like for shits and giggles, and probably one of the first times I really understood what electronic music was. And after that, I was, like, hooked. I I was like, when am I going back? Fuck school. I need to drop out of school so I can go to London more. Um, So I'd gone, like, two or three times before I met my partner and my, like, executive producer of my life, or whatever we want to call him. Um, (laughs) Now is he aware that he's the executive producer of your life? I hope that's a business card. (laughs) He got that title a little while ago. It's really just because (laughs) I am, like, sonically spoiled rotten. So and yeah he like there comes a point in time where someone has recorded so many of your vocals where it's just like okay you're now like you you get the title you're like <laughs> this is this is your job and- you sort through all of my shit and make sure it sounds nice at the end And and I
1: I'm assuming yeah this is M-N-E-K. No, no, no. no of, it's course, not. of course. course. Okay. I, I, <laughs> <like, laughs> I was like, uh, there may be some... assumptions. Kate. I, was, I was, actually I no, no. Gonna... There's
3: really there's uh, there's two people that I would give that title to. Him and another producer and a best friend of mine named Trajan Marie. Trajan and they Marie. are sort of like, I like that name. Yeah, he's a cool dude too. It's really really cool. <laughs> um, and like producer wise, they sort of have the reins. They are I... like the only people I trust.
1: Um, well, I, I think what's cool about your music is your voice is just stellar. Thank you. Um, and you've only you're only I don't. I'm assuming how old are you? You're 22, 23, 22, and so this has all happened like in
3: like three, four years tops, right? The other uh, I want to say like two or three weeks ago, it was the three year anniversary of the first song that I ever put out on wow. SoundCloud.
1: And um, you're you're unsigned to a label as an artist, but yep. you are signed, I think, to like a publishing company. Is that correct? Nope, no, I
3: am as indie as they come. Free agent. Yep.
1: Um, well, wh- because I I, I was. I think it's interesting that I would imagine that a lot of people are probably trying to perhaps work with you now because you have this presence on SoundCloud. And because you you did tweet something about working with someone that you've looked
3: up to and admired for a while recently. I did. um, Oh, you're about to make me emotional. I did a session the other day with Cara Diaguardi. Wow. Right. You know.
1: You know she is. She actually used to work at Billboard like decades ago.
3: I'm not surprised because she <laughs> is one of the like smartest and most brilliant. She's a hustler. I've ever. She's thank you. Yeah. And like, people that are girls do not get the street cred for hustling like they deserve. And it is nice to see someone who has sort of had to just like claw her way up. Y- Thank you. Took yeah. the words right out of my mouth, girl. <laughs> there ain't no other way to say it. Yeah. And she was just... It was absolutely amazing to work with. I'd met her before, and I think we both sort of knew, like, wow, we really, like... We're the same kind of crazy at the end of the day. And, like, when you're a, when you're a songwriter, like, you meet certain people, and it's just like, wow, we... That is someone who is, I've looked up to for how many years? I don't even know. She's a woman. I'm a man. She has a, a whole a life, a child, a husband, and I'm like a little baby. And it's amazing to like be on the same page as someone like that. I was just, yeah, I was like losing my shit at the end of it. It was so much fun. That's awesome. Great.
1: We did an interview. Well, I didn't do an interview with her, but we did a big profile on, on her a number of years ago. And we shadowed her during a, a songwriting session. Um,
3: I wonder if she liked that or not.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it was... I don't know. Um, And it was basically just kind of showing how she writes... At least she wrote those songs with that particular Mm -hmm. artist.
3: And it was kind of like the artist would show up and she was like, well, how are you feeling today? Like, how'd it go? Okay, so I basically... I can only say this now because you're sitting here telling me my SoundCloud is popping. But, like, for a long time, (laughs) I did not... I didn't feel like I knew how to make music. I was just like, I can... Get into a room, be really, really honest with you, and sing whatever ideas come into my head. And I do not know how to do anything other than that. And it was, at the end of the day, like, fascinating for me to see someone who 20 years ago or whenever she got her start, I would, like, maybe go so far as to say that she felt the same way. Like, working with her, she was just, like... You're sitting in this room and it's like, hey, let's call it what it is. What are we talking about? Let's be really, really real here and like tell a true story and not do anything other than that. And so it was Yeah. Yeah. That's it was awesome. valuable. You yeah.
2: Know? Like being able to get in a room and like relate to somebody and put that yeah. into words and music. Yeah, That's yeah. very valuable.
3: It's, cool. it's we don't really get as much street credit as we should. Us studio people that like we're basically like therapists and psychologists. We go into a dark room for, like, 12 hours a day with people that nine times out of ten we have never met before. We have to, like, right away trust everyone, mm-hmm. try to make something that's really dope, and not kill each other <laughs> by the end of a 12-hour span. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned him, again, only because we talked to Alex Newell M-N-E-K, because Alex Newell... You can talk about my baby as much as you want. Well, I, this is not an interview with your baby. It's an interview with you. Um, but then again, I discovered you through said baby. See? So, there you go. No. It's the circle of life. Um, but
3: uh, we interviewed Alex Newell for the can podcast. sing his face Oh, off. my God. Oh, my God. His voice is so amazing. Do you realize how long I was waiting for Basically Over You to come out? Mm. That's not, Yeah. That's where I was going with this. I was on this. the treadmill to that for like... For nine months now, just waiting. Just like, just, is it time? Dear Atlantic, you ready to put this shit out yet? I'm ready for this song.
1: Well, when I asked him about that song specifically, he said, you know, I when I flew to London, got off the plane, showed up, and it was the recording session with... Or it was the, or the writing session
3: with mm-hmm. MNEK, who co-wrote wrote the song. Which is always the recording session, too. Which like oh, for a lot of the same if, time? Yeah, but he's just, like, the, literally the quickest man alive. That's what he said. So, yeah, so uh, they're... That's like what I was talking about when I say sonically spoiled. Like you get to a point where you you don't leave a day feeling like there's anything left unturned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a writing session is always like That's not true. We'll we'll write records and then not record them for a little while, but like everything is always like expressed to the fullest at the end of a day. Everything is like not that you feel drained, but you're like, whoa, okay, everything I needed to say on that is done. Like, everything, every last impulse is expressed, you know? Maybe, maybe it's best to do it then when the emotions are still, like, real and it feels that, real. Coming from someone who, I went to a very, like, elitist jazz institution. I used to, like, train, 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 train. That has been, like, the biggest part of the recording process for me is learning to just, like shut up, let loose, like, smoke a spliff before and just sing and not think about it too much and, like, shut up and stop trying to be perfect and just, like... G-
1: Do it. Shut up and sing. Go, yeah. go, go. Yeah. Were yeah. you at Berkeley when you were in Boston? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
3: I was. <laughs> Lots of eye-rolling over there. <laughs> yeah. It was it was great. I met some people that I would not, like, I wouldn't trade for the entire world. But it was a weird, it was a weird place to contextualize what I am doing now and what I wanted to do. Mm. Do you I'll, play
1: instruments and stuff?
3: I write on keys. Um, I, yeah, I write on piano. But then again, I have way too many friends that are too awesome at piano for me to ever like public. I shouldn't have even said that. I shouldn't have even said I write on <laughs> piano. <You're cute. laughs> like, delete, You're- get rid of that sound bite. <laughs> He, he's, he's put it His fingers
1: have touched a piano At one point in time Yeah And their music has come out <laughs> Yes But if you can call a couple notes together We can either together. confirm Or deny the proficiency Um I'll, I'll finish my B-O-Y Blurb But what Alex said Was that He showed up And MNEK said How are you feeling He's like I'm over boys I hate You know I hate I hate boys And he's like Let's make a song about it And then like 20 minutes later They had a song And I'm like You've got to That's be kidding crazy. me And he's just like that's why he's just so great. Um, and I think it's great when you're in that moment and you can actually make something magical. And the music that you've made, I think is is pretty emotional in a lot of ways. And certain lyrics... A lot of feelings. Certain, yeah. certain lyrics really stick with you. Like you have one lyric where you talk about like remembering the taste of someone's bottom lip. You're, you're rolling yeah. your yeah. eyes. Yeah, Did I, I get the okay. lyric wrong?
3: No, 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 no. That's very, very accurate.
1: But there, I think it's just... When you when you sing that, you're like, wow, that is amazing. That's vivid. That's vivid, and mm-hmm. it sticks with you, and that's why I'm like, it's still stuck in my head.
3: It's, lines like that are literally just lines from, like, journal entries of me ugly crying, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, here we go. The entire second verse of that song, I wrote that song by myself at a piano in my bedroom at 160th and Broadway, and I wrote, like, first verse and the chorus, and I was like, dope. Okay, this is cool. I'm finally, like, writing things I'm into, yada, yada, yada. In the second verse, I had no idea what to do, so just went in the journal, went in the graveyard. Yeah, I'm a very, like, almost, it may be a fault of mine one day, but to, for now, it's okay. I'm, like, incredibly autobiographical. I don't know how to do anything else.
1: And I, if I want to remember, the name of the song is Steven, right? Yep. Okay. yes. So the, the the songs are available on iTunes. You can also listen to them on SoundCloud. you yep. put out two EPs so far. Yeah um are you working on more
3: music now yeah so i have um a project that that was a drum roll i don't know <laughs> we're going through. into full <laughs> promo <Yeah>. mode now <laughs> we'll add a sound effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you something very dramatic um so i mean i when i made my first ep i had no idea what i was doing it was like my first collection of songs i had ever written i made it with a producer friend of mine who was like the only person that gave a fuck about me from berkeley um But I had no idea what I was doing. But I knew, I was like, I'm going to make three EPs, figure out my sound, figure out my life, and then hopefully, God willing, I'll be ready to make an album. Um, And this third EP is called 22 Minutes Later. It's 22 minutes long because I'm 22 years old. Ah. Cute. Perfect. I'm like, I didn't know I was into the numerology thing, and now (laughs) I am. I say 22 minutes, like, nine times a day. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's it's a collection of, like, What are my favorite songs I've ever touched and ever been a part of, and like, and what in my opinion are like my strongest songs yet? Um, It's a like a collection of a bunch of singles, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. like different like snapshots. Again, like very autobiographical, Um, but then they all flow like one old school '90s R&B mixtape. So it's like a continuous like there's intros there's a bunch of my friends like talking in between the songs wow. and stuff. How very Janet Jackson 1993. Look, oh girl you're smart. <laughs> there you go. The, I didn't know anything about the interludes and the intros you're a bit young. until It's all right. Yeah, but like the Velvet Rope album, like if you want to talk about things that my life partner has taught me, it is to pay attention to the interludes on the I was Velvet like, to Rope. Like pay album. attention to Janet Jackson's Rope yeah. Burn. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's really just pay attention to all things Janet. Uh, well, there's that pay too. Pay close
1: attention. Is there a release month date or anything
3: for this There CD? is. So the plan is really to just put um, singles out individually, because I've never really yeah. thought of myself as someone who is confident enough to condescend to say I'm having a single. Um, but the plan is to really put out like singles and let them live and sort of at the end give everyone this project that's like, oh, you didn't even realize it, but this is like a cohesive body Same. of work. Um, the first single is called What's Really Good. Um, I'm pretty, pretty fucking excited about it. If I can be honest, I did it at Pride, and it was dope. It like Loki probably went over better than any other song. Awesome. Um, is it already out? Or no, is it- it's gonna come out. I don't know. Probably in the next couple weeks. We sort of. Um, I used to live in New York, and I was like dying for a career. I was just like working my ass off. I was like managing myself for a while. Oh, that's just, fine. Just like no, it was not. <laughs> I was a psychopath trying to do everything. Um, and I was literally just like at wit's end um, and moved here in February, uh, started working with people that I love and everything has sort of fallen into place. So we're sort of just like garnishing as much momentum as humanly possible before we like fire the cannon that is this first single.
1: Um, you know, I I fear that we've kept you way longer than we anticipated. That's completely fine with me. Um, this is great. Well, I mean, not you gave quite. gave me coffee. I'm
3: really satisfied.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We've There's a, even a vending machine. We, we can yeah, can even, here all we day can even, with liquids. We right. can even have all you liquids. put your money into a vending machine and you <laughs> wow. can purchase your own food. it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Old school. Um, but thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, much success to you in the future. Thank you. I and hope to be back. This doesn't
3: Yes, I please come do. Back, right? No, 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 no. We, okay. we, we, this come, is just the first visit. Come on, in, come on back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Do screenings. Do screenings. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe we should run away.
1: Thank you again, Brayton, for coming by. Um, as you can tell, that was a very long chat with Brayton.
2: But we but, didn't want to deprive you of any of it because he's truly delightful. It, it
1: was, as Katie always says, he's a delight. Um, and we, we just were just like kibitzing. We were just having a fun time and hanging out. Totally. Um, so Brayton, come on back anytime you want. For us, come on by. We'll get you two the, at the same time. It'll be fun. <laughs> it's a combo platter. Um Perhaps now it is time for our chart stat of the week. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it is.
3: Uh,
1: This week in 1989, on July 22nd, 1989, Prince's Batman soundtrack flew to number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It gave the Purple One his third number one album. It spent six weeks at number one and launched a surprise number one Hot 100 hit, in the mashup track, Bat Dance," uh, it was cobbled together partly from sounds and dialogue heard in the film, in addition to new music that Prince had created specifically for the song. Um, such a weird, interesting song. Yes. And yet it was a number one hit on the Hot 100. Despite the song's then popularity, it has actually never been included on any of Prince's subsequent greatest hits or retrospective albums Um, he's released three greatest hits albums actually since then um, I guess maybe he never liked the song, or...
2: Maybe he maybe he didn't fit in with the rest of his catalog, because it was such a specific, like...
1: like novelty theme
2: track. ...theme thing, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, it's... But and, I could also see him not di- liking
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you, you could probably think like, he was just like, I did it as, like, a lark. Yeah, you know? and it wouldn't
2: fit into this, like, body of greatest hits, you yeah, know? Yes, so,
1: and, and even though it's a number one hit yeah. in the Hot 100. But then again, there's lots of artists that will sometimes shy away from things that are big, huge, obvious hits, like rem continually shies away from shiny happy people even though it was a top 10 hit Love
2: that song; it's a fun song
1: <laughs> um madonna you know when she put out her first greatest hits album the immaculate collection uh you know because of space limitations she could only include so many hits and she left off number one tracks like she didn't put i think who's that girl on the album hmm. even though it was a number one funny how things work mm-hmm. you know um But anyway, there's your chart set of the week. This week in 1989, Prince hit number one on the Billboard 200 with Batman. It's my terrible Prince singing. Uh, Katie, do you have any parting words? I think we're all done for the
2: week. I feel like maybe we should interview somebody else right now.
1: (laughs) A third interview. (laughs) Who else sort of can we get on the phone? Interview.
2: Katy Perry's here all of a sudden. <laughs> Kanye's here.
1: Con- <laughs> we have Kanye and Taylor live mm. on a conference call. Let's get to the bottom of this kids. Yeah. What What really happened? What's really good? Uh, What's- what really happened? Um. Well, what should we go out on? What song? Um,
2: mm, uh, For
1: an extra size long show this week?
2: Ooh, so something about, like...
1: Big. Yeah. Or, uh, uh. Large. Ooh, Backstreet Boys, Larger Than Life?
2: Yes. Why not? Perfect.
1: All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?